we're going to be continuing our series in Philippians this afternoon. Uh, we're calling it Imitating Jesus. And last week, Rob spoke to us and unpacked the first half of chapter 2, uh, challenging us to imitate Christ's true humility, which is actually one of the hardest attributes, I think, to imitate. Uh, I've heard a few testimonies this week of people kind of thinking about how to be humble and how to be uh, more humble in their life and that kind of thing. So it's really sparked off a few conversations. But this week we're going to be looking at what you could kind of turn part two uh, to what Rob was saying last week. Uh, last week Rob pointed out that humility values others above yourself. It's not thinking less of yourself, it's about thinking about yourself less. Um, which we then looked at an inventory. Uh, I don't know if you remember all having to stand up at certain points uh, when we were looking at areas of pride that we were owning up to. Uh, and we're going to deal with this week maybe a, a couple of those things that um, really jumped out at me, I think, last week. Um, we're going to be looking at those in, the, in this half of chapter two. Um, if you want to stick those up on the screen, Beth, there's just a couple of those first slide. Next one. There you go. Uh, so the two that I'm going to look at, maybe pick up on just just kind of run through uh, what we're going to look at today. So are, you, are you argumentative? Always thinking your way is right, the only way, or the best way? And do you have a sharp, critical tongue, or are quick to judge others? Um, I noticed quite a few people stood up at that one, which is going to be quite a good talk for this week. And frankly, you see, Paul doesn't leave us in Philippians on our own to work out what it means to have the same mindset as Christ. In verse 5, he says that. And, and we will look at how we serve one another in humility today. Because uh, service is, I think, what humility looks like. Mm. Jesus demonstrates ultimate humility. He demonstrates ultimate service. And therefore, service is what humility looks like. And so I think that this talk is going to continue to challenge us from what Rob was looking at last week. And I really want to ask a question this afternoon of all of us here, is how are we doing with our serving? Jodie, uh, in the office, we sat down and tried to work out how many people serve in the church. And Jodie's worked out roughly about 90% of the adults in this church serve regularly on a team or in some way, which is absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> There's a, there's a commending, I think, here of, yeah. of, of Jubilee Church for the serving that goes on. And so it's not going to be a, a bashing you to serve more. But what I want to do is to provide a bit of a pit stop today to have a look at and check over our serving as a church and ask what does humble service look like and what are the attributes of humility as we go around serving one another. So we're just going to pray. Father, I thank you uh, for your word. I thank you for the words that we're going to hear today. And Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would come and would just settle in our hearts and just settle the words that we need to hear today in our hearts. We love your presence, Lord Jesus. We love you. We love your word. And would you speak to us now? Jesus. Amen. So we're going to read Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 12. And we'll, I'll just read through this first bit for us. It's... Uh, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence, but uh, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. 
do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ, that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So it starts off with the word therefore, which I've always been taught in any training that I've done, usually means that there's a point to what that there's a point beforehand that we needed to look at. Rob did that brilliantly last week. Um, but it's to But it's just about Paul emphasizing this next part of the letter. He wants us to understand that everything here hangs on what he's just said before, especially in verses five to eight. Now I don't know about you, but you may uh, remember a song uh, called um, Servant King by the long serving worship leader Graham Kendrick. Uh, it, it starts off, from heaven you came helpless babe, entered our world your glory veiled, not to be served, but to serve, and give your life that we might live. So we're going to have a look at what, what we're hanging the whole of the thing on today, everything we're looking at today. Jesus demonstrates this ultimate act of humility, the ultimate act of putting others before self. In verse 7, just back a bit from where we've just read, it says this, But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Taking the very nature of a servant. You see, it says that the very nature of God was not something that Jesus considered to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he humbled himself and became in very nature a servant. Now, he didn't lose being God, but he humbled himself to become a servant to those whom he'd created. It's so countercultural to think this through, that the status he has was not used to his own advantage. How many times do we see today status being used to our own advantage? Well, we can just do that because I've got this status. But Jesus is this ultimate example of humility and service. And he went further by giving up his life for us on the cross. The ultimate servant, even to death, to take away our sin, bring us back into relationship with God. If that's not something to hang your talk on, then I don't know <laughs> what is. And in the light of this context that Paul gives us, he offers the Philippian church and us today three things, I think, in our pursuit to imitate Jesus. Number one, Humility looks like obedience, not grumbling. Number two, humility has its own reassurances or its own rewards. And number three, humility looks like something. It looks like some people. So that's where we're going to go today. We're going to start off with humility looks like obedience and not grumbling. So the first thing we see Paul saying we need to seek to imitate Christ in serving one another is in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my presence. Paul calls us to obey. Now, I don't think that Paul is asking the Philippian church or us to obey him. Uh, don't forget this context that we're in Jesus' obedience to the Father in his death on the cross. Paul commends the Philippians for their obedience in the past and encourages further obedience to God 
as they move forward. <coughs> now often the word obedience is seen as really quite negative, almost heavy word to do with restriction or heavy handedness or control or you will obey me. But obeying this passage doesn't mean that. It means an absolute submission or an absolute obedience, but it's actually linked to the word listen. And I was, we did a bit of research into this, and it's the one who listens to the knocking at the door. So obedience is the one who's listening to the knocking at the door. Paul's exhortation here is to be an absolute submission to God, constantly listening at the door to hear what God is saying. So Taking on the nature of a servant, not the one who considers their status as a child of God and something I can use that to my own advantage. Well, I'm all right, I'm saved, I'm good, I'm, I, can, I can live my life as I go. But it's the one who listens at the door and finds security and safety in God, who is above all things and is a good, good father to us all. It's the one who you run to the door and you say, What, what are you saying, God? I'm listening, I'm listening to you. So how is your obedience to God this afternoon? I wonder if you've maybe been neglecting your door. Revelation 3.20 says God stands at the door and knocks. And whoever hears my voice, it's exactly the same root word. Whoever hears my voice, whoever is waiting at the door and listening to hear my voice. So maybe today there's a first step back to listening to God's voice at the door. Maybe turning your life into an absolute, total submission to God. And I promise you that actually the pressure that I've found is so much less great when it's not up to me to work things out for my own. Listening at the door and saying, God, what next? God, where am I going? What am I doing? Reading the word, going, God, oh, I can see you at work in scripture. It's so much easier to do it in absolute submission to the one who created us than trying to work it out on my own. As the old hymn, although I probably shouldn't use the word old hymn, as the hymn goes, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And so to imitate humility and be a servant of Christ, which is quite interesting, because that's what Paul says in verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1, that's what he's a servant of Christ, starts with obedience to God. But the next directive from Paul is even it's just as stuck, if not slightly more in your face. Chapter, verse 14, do everything without complaining or arguing. <laughs> everything without complaining or arguing. Now, I don't know about you, I might be stereotyping British people. I am one, so I think I'm okay doing that. Uh, I think there's two ways that British people can grumble. Number one is that they can grumble about everything. Um, and number two is you hear the phrase that I used to, especially from my grandparents, well, we mustn't grumble. Um, well, it's falling with rain and I've lost everything, but it mustn't grumble. But you see, the, the little testimony is when, when Kate and I arrived back in Solihull following a call from God to come and serve Rob and the vision that you had for the church here, I've got to admit, I think I turned up quite a negative Nelly. In fact, I don't think I turned up quite a negative Nelly. If there was a grumble to be had in any area of life, I would probably have had it. Uh, I found that actually my negativity was really infectious. And it infected people at work, at home, at church, and I would pull, it to the, pull everybody down with me without even realising what I was doing. And I have been told that I was quite exhausting to be around. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, 
it all seemed to be around because everything would just be an umble or a negative. Or, oh dear, oh gosh, we've got to do that again. And over the years, I really think that God has worked so much in me. Um, so I, I, there are occasions I can default back to that position of being grumbly about everything, especially when things are a bit stressful. We've been going through a build at home and uh, everything has just become a little bit, the stress levels have gone up slightly and I found myself grumbling a little bit more about everything. Um, but I think I am so much more positive yeah. and a lot less negatively grumbly about the general day to day. And God has given me people in my life who are able to gently nudge me back uh, if I am not <laughs> Uh, I think what I've come to realise, looking at Paul's, what, what Paul's saying here, is that it is to do with the root of this grumble. You see, it might seem justified to have a bit of a grumble sometimes, and to have a bit of a moan, but the word here used in, in 2 Philippians 14, uh, Philippians 2.14, is to do with a selfish complaint. It's a grinding unwillingness, it's an impatience of what is not understood, it's a selfish root. It's a grumble of putting yourself first. Well, that's not good enough for me. Well, that's not happening in my life. Well, why am I not seeing this? Well, that's not good enough for me. That's the root that Paul's getting at. It's the same with the arguing. Paul's not saying we should never have a debate or a disagreement. Good grief, that would be awful. I love having a bit of a debate and a disagreement and a bit of a, I don't understand and how does that work? There's nothing wrong with that. But the root, again, here, is actually the judging with evil thought argument. It's the arguing that thinking you're wiser than somebody else, or more spiritually superior, or, or all those statements from last week that we read. The person you're arguing with, you're taking the higher ground. It's a, it can even be an internal deliberation, one of the commentaries says. It has a selfish motive. This internal argument that nobody even knows about, that something's going on inside you. I think much of my negativity and grumbling was from the fact that I couldn't see what was happening for me. Things weren't going my way in my situation, and I forgot to humble myself and become in very nature a servant and value others above myself. <laughs> I wonder what the most problems and arguments likes in your mind would be according to your own name. Whether they arise from selfish motives. <laughs> but coming back to that song, the serving king early, the very final verse says this. So let us learn how to serve and in our lives enthrone him, each other's needs to prefer, for it is Christ we're serving. The imitation of Jesus, which this passage is calling us to, is to serve one another as Christ serves us. So I wonder if we have any grumblings today that are coming from self-seeking motives. I don't know what your grumbles or gripes are, whether they're with somebody, generally at work or at church, or in a situation you find yourself outside, of this place, or a situation that's out of your control? Is there an argument that you're having with someone that you just can't seem to resolve? Or is it even an internal disagreement about something that's come from a motive of putting yourself first? If it's affecting me in this way, well, why is it not working for me? And at the end, we'll, make, we'll take a moment, we'll do some time to, to maybe think through some of those things and ask God to show us from the opposite side, how the situation is affecting other people. 
You see, there's a choice to be made as we serve one another. Are we going to let our personal grumblings drag others down? Or are we going to lift up and encourage one another in their service to others as well? So we're called to obey God, the foundation of serving one another, taking our eyes off ourselves and looking towards God's plans and purposes. And then doing everything without grumbling and argument, this selfish ambition being left to the side and putting others first. And I think Paul then has something to say to us about humility having as a reward. So there's a reward to humility, which sounds a bit strange in some ways. But the heaviness of what we've just heard, Paul gives these two reassurances in imitating Jesus in this life of humble service. He doesn't leave us to work it all out ourselves. It says this in verse 13, God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his purposes. You see, God is always active. We've just sung about that. He's always working. He never sleeps. He's dwelling within us. He can never be held back. He will achieve his purposes. So actually the pressure has been slightly eased on us. Yes, we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, it says in verse 12. And rightly so, it's sobering. Fear and trembling to God. This is our God, the servant king. This is the one whom we serve. But remember who we're obedient to. We're obedient to the one who works in you. Not some oppressive boss or some oppressive force who waits for you to do whatever you do on watching our every move. God is working in us to achieve his plans through us, through you. Your serving one another comes from God. And he will not leave you, and he will not forsake you, and he will never leave you alone. So that's our first reward, that God is, God is active in us. It's not a, go and, go and humbly serve one another and I'll watch you do it. And the second reward is, is the serving of others and putting others before self will lead us to shine like stars. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, who shine like stars in the universe. Shine like stars among a crooked and wicked generation. What a promise. You see, Paul appears to be echoing back here to Moses, the song of Moses in Deuteronomy, where he warns Israel about failing to keep the law, that they would become a crooked and wicked generation. However, what Paul does now is seems to be announcing that those who obey God will shine like stars amongst the crooked and warped generation around us. Now, I don't know about you, but I can see some crookedness and warpedness in the generation around me. There's some crookedness, there's some things that we read and some things that we see, and even people we meet, and you think, oh, there's something just not right. There's something just not quite right. You're doing that out of wrong motives. And how do we shine like stars in this generation? We are different. We flip the idea of service on its head. I don't know if anyone's ever approached you as a Christian and gone, there's something different about you. Why do you stand out? Why don't you do this? Why do you do that? Why are you always so joyful? It's peculiar. <laughs> 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 I, uh, I used to work at uh, a venue with a lady who did Reiki, and, uh, and she could spot, she said that she could spot auras over people, and she walked into my office once, and she went round, and she went, oh, and she went, <laughs> and she went, how do you get a gold aura? 
<laughs> she could see something, even in the spiritual, that was only the Holy Spirit. She could, she could sense the Holy Spirit. She couldn't put her finger on what it was. But she says, I've never seen a gold aura before over somebody. I was just sat doing my work. But there was something different because we shine like stars to the, to the generation around us. I wonder if you can think of anyone who's a good example of, of, of this. Anyone who is a good example of shining like a star in the generation around them. Do you stand out because of your humility, because of your service to one another, because that I'm going to put you first before myself? And finally, we're going to look at humility looks like something, like some people. I wonder if you can think of anybody who's an amazing example of humility and service. Someone who looks like Jesus in their way that they serve. Well, Paul has two ready examples for us, just in case you can't. Uh, and he points us to that in two, Philippians 2, 19-30. Now, we're not going to read the whole thing, but we have two names here who Paul tells us about and holds up in high esteem of people who are really good examples of this. And they're Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy is uh, spoken about in verses 19 to 24. And Paul says in verse 20 that there is no, he has no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. So he wants to send Timothy to the Philippian church. And he says there's no one else like him who will show a concern for your welfare. He has proved himself and doesn't look out for his own interests, but for those of Jesus. Verses 21 22. He imitates Jesus in his interests of others. So do we have a genuine concern for the welfare of others? Or do you sink inside when you ask how somebody is and they don't answer with the word I? Oh. <laughs> oh, Mark, how are you doing? Well, actually, oh. <laughs> do you have a genuine wealth concern? I was, I was, I can't remember who it was, but somebody once told me that if you're going to ask the question, be prepared for the answer. Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing? Actually, do I really care? Yeah. Or am I just asking how are you doing? Has how are you doing become another way of saying hello? Mm -hmm. Timothy is held up as an example of one who doesn't put his own interests first. And I wonder whether we can take something from that today. Timothy's imitation of Jesus in serving others is genuine concern for one another. And Paul also describes the father-son relationship that he had with Timothy in verse 22, and that underlines this family resemblance of imitation, that whole finger um, image that we've got. The imitation, it's, 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 a, it's meant to be a, a one generation to the, to the next as well, just kind of saying, I'm going to imitate you as a generation. In the blog that I recently wrote for church, if you read that, I pointed out how much the children and young people are watching us as adults, mm -hmm. and how they begin to imitate us as adults. Do you know, it's always really surprising, and it makes you stop and think as a parent when you hear a phrase coming back to you from your child that you use, and you think, oh my goodness, you're going to everything that I say. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, of course, wants us to imitate Jesus. Of course he does. He says, look at Jesus. But reveals in Timothy there is something about imitating those who disciple us which is useful as well. This parent-child relationship is partnering together but learning from those who are an example to us. And in a really similar way, he goes on to talk about Epaphroditus. 
in verse 25 to 30. He's described as a soldier and a fellow brother. And it seems that Epaphroditus was sent by the church in Philippi to help Paul to take care of his needs, wherever they were. He was in prison at the time. And he's going to be returned to the church as the church are really concerned that they've heard Epaphroditus is ill. And Paul says in verse 27 that, yep, he was indeed pretty ill. Uh, that actually he almost died. So I'm going to send him back to you, which is always a nice thing to hear. And then in verse 30 comes that ultimate line that he almost died for the work of Christ. Epaphroditus is held up as somebody who risked his life to make up for the help that the church themselves couldn't give Paul. So they almost sent somebody and said, you need to go and help Paul, we can't all go. It appears he was a representative. And his service to Paul, the thinking of himself less, led him to imitate Christ in the ultimate way that he was willing to lay down his life for the sake of Paul and the sake of the gospel. So what Paul's doing here is he's highlighting Timothy and Epaphroditus in showing us human examples to help us grasp what humility looks like in servanthood. For the reader of the letter, there was almost an, oh, I can do that. No, oh, I, could, I could do that. But had someone genuine concern, or, oh, I know someone who looks like that. Or in the case of the church of Philippi, wow, I remember Epaphroditus when he was like this. Can I encourage all of us to find somebody who looks like Jesus? Somebody who puts others first and imitate them as well. Imitate Jesus, but imitate those who imitate Jesus. So there we go. An outworking of humility through serving one another starts with obedience to God, an absolute submission to him, constantly listening at the door of life and hearing what God has to say. The practical outworkings of an unselfish attitude in our grumblings and arguments and putting others' concerns first. We need to remember that God is the one who works in us and won't leave us to work this out on our own. He will achieve his purposes in us. And this different stance of humbling, of humble service makes us stand out like stars among the generation that we find ourselves in. So imitating Jesus looks like a genuine concern for one another and their, and their, and their needs. A call to risk it all for Jesus. You know what, the Gospel is one of the most wonderful and life-changing messages, but it comes with a call to imitate the nature of a servant putting others first and being obedient. It's not a, I now have a status that I can work from and use to my own advantage. It's a call to ultimate servanthood, even when it may cost you everything. And Paul encourages us to look at the examples of those who imitate Jesus, catch their heart, be a disciple of one who imitates Jesus so that then you can be a disciple who imitates Jesus. And then they can be disciples who imitate Jesus. But let's not forget who we are imitating in our humble service to one another. Jesus took the very nature of a servant, was willing to humble himself in obedience, even to death on the cross, to set us free. If Jesus' love for us is so wonderful, then he's well worth imitating. So let's go back to that question, where are you in your serving? I've been challenged loads in preparing this talk to review my own heart 
in serving. Obviously, a lot of what I do in church is my job, um, but I've been really challenged to look at other areas of serving in church. And also serving with my family, in the community, with neighbours, the places I find myself, schools, other churches, meeting other people. For you, it could be workplaces, it could be what you do during your week and where you find yourself. We've looked at the ultimate example of Jesus in humble service. And Paul has given us human examples. He's not even looked, he's not even had a chance to look at Paul himself being poured out like a drink offering in his service, in his service and the service and the humility that he offers. So the question I come back to is how is your heart in serving? Are you worth imitating in your service? Where is your motivation to serve one another? I think it would be good to respond and ask the Holy Spirit to highlight maybe some of the areas of service that maybe need healing or repentance or maybe just to be reignited again. So I wonder if you're able to, if you'd stand with me. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and just speak to us. I think that question, are you worth imitating in your service? If people are looking around looking for somebody to imitate. So Father, we just ask how, would you come by your Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Come and rest on us. Come and speak to us in this time. Holy Spirit, would you show us areas maybe in our life where our service just needs reigniting? Where our humility to serve one another just needs a reigniting again. Maybe it's in the area of obedience. What motivates our serving? Is it a fear of people and saving face? Is that why we serve? Just because we have to? Because otherwise it will look odd if we don't? Or is it because we're listening to, to God at the door and following his promptings of the Holy Spirit? Is there a sense of duty in our serving? Or are we serving out of the motivation of a from God and imitating Jesus. Father, we don't forget that you work in us. Your plans will be fulfilled because of you. Lord, we know this is not a heavy thing to carry because we have you working inside us. But Lord, we just turn our ear to the door again. We get out of our seats being distracted by whatever else we're doing. I get this picture when I was doing this of someone sat there in an armchair watching the telly and the door banging behind you. And we just, we, we get up and we answer the door again. We say, where next? Where next? Total submission to you. But what about grumbling? Do we grumble at the idea of serving? Holy Spirit, come search our hearts this afternoon. Bring to light any grumbles, selfish or negative attitudes that we have around serving or in any other way that's holding us back. Do nothing. Do, do, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Internal or external. There's something you need to put right with someone today. Don't leave this place if that's you. And you need to put someone right with someone and just say, well, I've been holding this a bit. Well, I, I, I'm just not sure. We need to work this out. Holy Spirit, just come and search us. Finally, do you shine like a star in your workplace, your community, your college, your school, your friendship group? Are you different? 
Holy Spirit, come and show again. Areas of serving where we can stand out like stars. Show us areas as we go through our week this week. Even now, show us places where we can be working and putting others first. Lord, would you teach us how to be humble through the serving of others? Teach us to imitate Jesus. Father, we don't take our position as children of God to be something which is used for our own advantage. We want to serve others. So Lord, would you come and challenge us Inspire us and cover us <coughs> and work in our lives.